Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. So why do I need to waste my time writing a job description? You might ask. The answer is to save time and to be able to sleep at night. So the job description is there to evaluate how successful the person you hired is in the role that they were hired for. Consider it the essential evaluation tool to manage expectations, the syllabus for success. Investing the time up front will allow you to set the performance metrics the person needs to achieve in their critical first 90 days, thus cementing quantifiable data to ensure a successful hire. And that just helps all parties sleep better at night. I'm Rick Gerard. Welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win the right hire. We share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Mark Hirschberg. Mark is a MIT instructor, CTO, and author of the Career Toolkit. From tracking criminals and terrorists on the dark web to creating marketplaces and new authentication systems, Mark has spent his career launching and developing new ventures at startups and Fortune 500s and in academia. He helped to start the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program, dubbed MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he teaches annually. Mark helped to create a platform used to teach finance at its prominent business schools. He also works with many non Nonprofits, including Techie Youth and A Plant of Million Corals. He is one of the top ranked ballroom dancers. He was one of the top ranked ballroom dancers in the country. And now he lives in New York, where he's known for his social gatherings, including his annual Halloween party, which I have not been invited to, as well as his diverse cuffling collection. We're going to have to hear a little bit more about that. Mark, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm wondering when am I going to get my invite? for this famed Halloween ball. (laughs) Well, last year, unfortunately, I wasn't able to hold it, but hopefully we can have you over this coming October. I'm going to hold you to that. Today, we're going to discuss why job descriptions are critical to the success of your company. I know we've talked about this before, but like I said, we're going to beat this dead horse until you guys get it. And how to craft job descriptions that positively impact your organization. Sound like a plan? Sounds great. I think we all know that job descriptions are important, but we don't like to invest the time to do it for whatever reason. Why is this? Why don't we just invest the time up front to alleviate all that pain in the back end? Well, there's a few answers. First, it's that most of us aren't marketers. And first and foremost, this job description is a marketing document. You are selling the position to people. Second, it is an assessment tool, as you suggested earlier, right? It's part of the rubric for how we're going to understand who we want to hire, who's qualified. But we also don't think like HR people, and most of us aren't trained to, how do I actually want to define this role and evaluate people against it? So unfortunately, most of us don't have the training to think about job descriptions the way they're meant to be used. You have to put a lot of diligence into planning all other aspects of your organization. And the the number one aspect for failure or success within an organization is your people. Why are we not spending the time to actually define out and plan this? That's a really deep topic. And it really comes to how the role of HR has changed 
with respect to the rest of the business over the years. And unfortunately, we've seen a disconnect between HR and the rest of business. To be fair, HR has had to take on a number of other roles. HR has had to take on benefits and compliance and making sure that we're hiring diverse candidates. And oh, what about our corporate social responsibility? We've thrown all that in HR, but HR has not done a good job of keeping up with our core business metrics. And especially to your point, we've moved from being more of a hands-on workforce, when you go back 100 years, to a knowledge workforce. And HR hasn't kept up with how do we evaluate and train and grow knowledge workers. Those tools aren't the same as they were back when we were a more mechanical type of workforce. I'm going to be the devil's advocate here and say that this has been pawned off on HR, but this goes to the top. Leadership needs to be held responsible for this. You can't just pawn it off on HR. You can't blame it on HR and say it's their fault. It's got to start from the top down. Putting these systems in place, it's your responsibility as an entrepreneur, or an executive or the leader of the company, this is on you. When we've asked HR to do all this other work, and remember as well that for some jobs, because now you can apply with the click of a button, now you're getting literally hundreds of candidates that they have to go through. We're adding so much more work to HR and we are not giving them the support and the tools that they need. And we also aren't saying we value your input. HR is rarely at the strategic table. They're not part of your product team. And even if your product team really is about building things with world-class employees, HR should be part of, as you point out, your suppliers are key. This is a supplier, but they're not invited to that conversation. Why are the job descriptions important? Why should companies invest the time to make sure that they're putting together a proper job description? For two reasons. First, as we said, it's a marketing document and doing it right can help you attract and retain better talent, but then also because people misuse this because they think, okay, it's a job description, director of marketing. Great. Yeah, we know marketing, website, other stuff, throw it in and put it out there and let's see who we get. But you're missing some of the more subtle points. And it's those subtle points because everyone who applies to that job will have a marketing background. They will have done some marketing work. Really, it's these subtle things about how they fit into your company culture. What type of leader are they? These are the things that are going to make or break someone being successful in the role. And it's it's not what we're thinking about as we're creating these job descriptions. Two key things there. Job description is not a wish list of skills. It's not just a, hey, look at, let's just copy and paste the last four job descriptions that we put together. It really needs to be clearly defined if you want to attract the best people, which is what the job description is supposed to be for. Then you should give them a syllabus. You should give them an idea of, we'll talk about this in the second half, but build performance metrics into this so they understand exactly what they're going to accomplish in their first 90 days, six months, a year. That attracts good people because they know what they're going to be doing. Every other job description is just this fluffy, abstract concept of five years of this and four years of this. And you basically just saying, hey, you're going to come and figure it out. Right. Good luck. Yeah. We hope you'll be successful. It fails on two fronts. First, it's just giving this laundry list of skills or experiences. And that's important. You do need that. It's going to help you qualify people. But that's usually not sufficient because it doesn't talk about these other key things that are going to make you successful. And second, it doesn't sell to the candidate. Imagine if you're selling a car, you just say, hey, has four wheels, has a bunch of horsepower. How do they sell cars? They make it exciting. Oh, you want to be in this product. Make your job description exciting. And what's the benefit to the candidate as well? But also make sure you're aligned on the value that the candidate's going to deliver to you by being more detailed. 
failed. It doesn't take that much to sit down and think about what the things are for the job description. Once you get in the habit of doing it correctly, it doesn't take that much time to actually be able to develop this out and have something that, again, is going to save you a ton of time in the long run and money because you're probably making bad hires. Right. Even if you can cut down four or five interviews, think about how many hours of time you've just saved you and your team. That alone is worth investing 30 minutes, 60 minutes up front to get right, let alone, as you point out, getting a better hire and what that means for the long-term ROI. You are 100% on target. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm Rick Gerard, And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources to help you land great hires. Our guest today is Mark Hirschberg. He is an MIT instructor, CTO, and the author of the book, The Career Toolkit. And we're discussing job descriptions, like our favorite thing, right? We love job descriptions. (laughs) All right, so let's talk a little bit about really how do we solve this problem? Like I said, and I think you mentioned, it doesn't take that much time. Let's give them a formula that they can implement into their company that'll help them to build job descriptions that are great. So you want to start with the goal in mind. Who is your ideal candidate? And yes, we want some of that list. You need experience with this tool or technology. You need to know this or that. Include that. But now think further. For example, everyone says, oh, we want to hire a leader. Okay, that's good. What does that mean? Is this a leader who's going to be very inspiring? Is this a leader who can take a demoralized team and get them going again? Is it a leader who's going to help through change management? Is it a leader who can do coalition building because you have a complex business with lots of moving parts and big personalities? These are all different types of leaders. And while a leader might be able to do all of this, any given candidate is going to be stronger or weaker in these leadership areas. But if you haven't defined it, The way you're looking for a leader, what those qualities are you want may be different than someone else evaluating that role. And you might optimize for that wrong type of leadership. We're starting from working backwards. So what are we just jotting down on paper, like what those attributes are that we need? You want to think about these attributes, again, not just your skills and experiences, but these other attributes like leadership, communication, how they're going to work with other people. Then think also about the job itself. We all know, let's take this director of marketing role. We know they're going to do lead gen and run the website and social media and events, right? That's pretty much every director of marketing at some mid-sized company. But now your particular company, they might spend half their time doing events or maybe only 10%. Have you really thought about that and recognizing, okay, they might not be so good at events, but that's 10% of the time. That's important to understand. And you're going to say, okay, this is less weighted than these other skills. So you want to think internally about the specific experiences or skills, how you want to weight them based on your specific role. Sounds like you're saying then assign a percentage of time that they're going to be spending on each task. That's how I like to do. I think about this person in their average week, where are they going to spend that time? If you can't come up with those numbers, again, just think about maybe a waiting system or a priority system, but you definitely want to understand what is more important and what is less important because that laundry list you have, I guarantee you they're not all equally important. This is really good because you can actually take that and then you can prioritize which things are the most important. I found that the best hires are not going to have 100% of what you think that you need to. The people who really excel, they have something to learn. They have something to grow from. They have something they can bite into. Like, oh, I've never done X. And this has given me the opportunity to cut my teeth in that. And it could change along the way. I'll give you an example at a recent company I was at. When I spoke with the CEO, I mentioned I'm an experienced teacher and public speaker. And I actually don't mind 
mind doing a little traveling for my job. There are lots of other CTOs who say, you know what, just don't put me in front of customers, just let me play with a bunch of tech. I said, no, I enjoy this. And the CEO said, oh, actually, that's a big plus. I spent a lot of my time traveling, speaking at conferences or meeting with clients. That's a big toll on me. If you can do some of that, that is a bonus. And so it wasn't one of the things he was looking for. But now recognizing this has value, he adjusted the hiring metrics. And of course, you want to make it clear to the rest of the hiring team, in this case, the other execs, hey, this is one thing. See, he says he's good at doing this, but let's make sure he's actually good because we don't want to hire him thinking he can if he can't. So you can adjust these criteria as you go, as you get feedback and learn about different candidates and what they might bring to the table. Who's writing this job description? Who's putting together this data? Is it the hiring manager and the executives or who's the best person to be doing this? It should be the hiring manager. The hiring manager understands this the best. And I'll note a pet peeve of mine about- Do they? <laughs> they should. It's the role reporting to them. They better. If they don't, who's going to understand it better than them? One would hope. Unfortunately, HR often doesn't. This is a big pet peeve of mine that HR, they don't understand the roles. They say, well, I know it's a finance role, not a sales role. Okay, great. I got that from the title. But they couldn't explain the differences between the roles. And that's so unfortunate. You're right. The responsibility lies on the hiring manager. The hiring manager should lay out the details of what the job description is. 100%. Where HR steps in is that they can actually write some of the marketing content for the job description, but they have to have the other pieces from a performance standpoint from the hiring manager. Nobody else can do that. Let me give you an example. Let's again, I'm just going to stick to marketing, but this is true for all areas. You might say need at least one year experience with Buffer. Buffer is a tool that lets you schedule your social media posts. And some candidate comes along and she's got two years of experience using Later, which is a competitor to Buffer. And someone in HR who's never heard of either of these might say, oh, doesn't list Buffer, not qualified, because they don't understand the tools or the technologies or the processes for this role, and they miss out on a good candidate. If you're relying on HR to bring in candidates for the role, to do some active recruiting or filtering, they better understand the role, and unfortunately, so many don't. Yeah, you know, let's be honest. I know a lot of HR folks, and they're great people, and I love them. They're friends. Most of them want nothing to do with the recruiting side. <laughs> they would much rather deal with people and dealing with the issues of keeping their employees happy that are already there. There's a lot of companies, though, have separated those functions completely. Recruiting and HR are two totally different animals. Yes, and I really think they should be because you do have those different tracks. If you do have someone in HR who's doing some of that recruiting, as the hiring manager, it behooves you to sit down with them. Even if you're writing the job description, sit down, explain what the things are, teach them things like this is equivalent to that. I will even spend some time looking at resumes together and explaining, okay, this is why I like this resume or I don't to train them up. Again, it's an hour investment, but that's going to pay off in the long run as I get better candidates coming through the filter. Lay out for me what this job description looks like. So the job description, and there may be two of them. There may be internal and external. Let's look at the internal description. It has that laundry list of skills and attributes, but it's also going to have other qualities like their ability to lead or communicate. It might be, you know, they're leading a team of six, but maybe you really want people who have led a team of 10 or more because it's going to grow. Instead of just saying, led a team, make sure they've led a team of at least 10 or whatever it is you're thinking about. You want to be very explicit in this, in your internal description. These need to be realistic too, because a lot of times they'll think 
it's more about what the business needs more than what you want, what you think you need. And you're going to trade off against all of this. This is a very long list. And that's why this is the internal list, because you don't want to set, scare off an employee with, here's the 30 different attributes, the 30 things in the ideal candidate. You know you're not going to get all 30, but you want to list it out. You want to have it there so everyone on the team can look at this list and say, well, they only had four years of experience, not six with this tool. I know we wanted six, but oh, they're such a good communicator. And I know one of the key things in this job is being able to communicate to all the other departments. And that's listed here as an attribute, communicating well to the other departments. I saw that. So I'm going to rate them highly there, even though they're not as strong in this experience, because that's going to balance it out or maybe make them a better candidate than if we just looked at level of experience. You mentioned this as a marketing document. And a lot of people will create a job description and a job posting. There's no reason why you have to separate those two. It's one document. You don't need to have two separate documents. Or you can just have, realistically, you could just have a little marketing piece that goes on the front end and that's your job advertisement. But you should have it all out there anyway. There's no reason to hide any of it. Internal versus external in terms of a lot of details. Like internally, you might say, again, strong communicator because we know certain departments here are challenging in their communications. You're not going to put that in the public description, but you want internally. Why not? It depends on how you're trying to attract people. I do believe what I think you're getting to is you should be upfront. You should be transparent for sure. If there's going to be a challenge, you want to say, look, let's be honest. This person you might be working with is challenging, or this is a problem. We're a very siloed company, but we're trying to change. And part of your job is to change that. Be honest. That's an attractor for the right person. That's the thing. Job descriptions are all written like every Everything's rosy and perfect here. But the fact is, everybody knows that most companies are just one shit show away from going out of business sometimes. Why not be open and honest with people about that? It depends what your funnel looks like. If you are trying to hire, let's say, a junior HR coordinator where you're going to be getting 30 resumes a day, yes, you want to narrow that filter. You want to narrow it down and say, look, here are the challenges. If this scares you, don't even bother applying. On the other hand, I hire a lot of tech people. There, it's like pulling teeth trying to get a resume of a senior tech person, you're so excited when you see a resume come in. I don't want to scare them at first. I don't want the top of the funnel. Now, I'll be honest in the process, but I want to give them color more than maybe just a one or two line description that might scare someone off without full context. Is there any formula that you have for the job description on how that would lay out from an advertising perspective? I start out with Here's what the role looks like. And then what makes it attractive? Start with a selling point. Get them excited about when you come to this role, here's what you get. When you advertise, you don't start by saying, hey, pay me $100. Oh, and by the way, you'll get something for it. You get them really excited about the product. And then you say, oh, yeah, and here's the cost. So get them excited. If you take this role, you're going to be creating this, doing this, working with a great team. You'll be achieving the following. That's what's going to attract me. What's in it for me? That's yes. what you're answering. That's so key. And you could almost take that a step further and address what you think their potential pain points are in their current role. Yes. I've done a lot in engineering too. So I'm right there with you. I know that pain, brother. <laughs> <laughs> But I will tell you that if I can strike a nerve within a job posting, a lot of engineers feel like they're underutilized or they're not really learning what they want to learn or working with the technology they want to work with. If you can address that up front and you hit them there, then you got them reading all the way through. Are you stuck using boring technology? We're using the latest and greatest. Boom, boom, boom. There's your attractor. That's definitely better than you must have five years of this. And here, let me tell you more about me. Exactly. I feel like most job ads are like when you go to that party, 
And there's that one person who's like, let me tell you more about me. Oh, what do you do? Oh, don't worry about that. Let me just tell you more about me. Yes. And you can say why the company is awesome. There is a place for that. But first, they're less concerned about the awesome company and they're more concerned about the great time they're going to have at the company. What it's going to give. But job descriptions that. tend to lead with that. They lead with, we're this, we're great, da, 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 da. And we have a ping pong table and we give free lunch. It kills when they start founded in 1967. Our CEO did this. Like, okay, fine. Am I going to be working with the CEO? Do I care how long you've been around? That to me is like your last thing that you do. So I have a layout that I do. It's actually, you know, you start with the pain and then you talk about the problem solved, kind of like what you're talking about. I lay these out in performance metrics. So I like to do them in your first 90 days. And if I get a really good manager, then we can lay it out in six months in a year. But the nature of most startups, they don't know what's going to happen after 90 days. They're just hoping for the best. And then you do the about us. And then at the end, what we do is we put in for a screening tool, a call to action. So we have people do a little bit of homework. I am not a big fan of, hey, go do this assessment or something like that. I like to see how people respond, taking the cover letter almost and moving it onto just a more personalized format. I agree with that. The 90 days is interesting. I'll sometimes use that as effectively one of the interview questions. So I don't want to give them the answer and description, but I'll ask things like, how would you start your first 90 days here for some roles, especially when you get to director and above? For individual contributor, it's you're going to code. Let's just talk about what you've done. But when you're in a managerial role, I'll ask, lay out what you think you would do in the next year? If I gave you this budget, how might you spend it? And really see how they're thinking about it. Of course, you take it with a grain of salt. They don't have the context you have about your company and problem. Yeah, I was going to say that's where it's a little bit tough. You can always adjust the 90 day, you know, whatever those performance metrics are. But at least you have, here's what my expectations are of you in the next 90 days. If you feel like this is something you want from a challenge perspective, then please, by all means, join us. If not, then if this is too much for you, then please stay where you are. To your point about they're going to get it wrong, right? When you ask them, if you ask about the 90 90 days or you ask them to do a budget. And it's not about their answers per se. Oh, you put 50% here, it should have been 40%. It's okay, why did you think of it this way? Why do you prioritize this? And that discussion is going to illuminate how they approach the problems, knowing they're going to have more information when they solve the actual problem at your company. Yeah, that's true. Shay, we're getting pretty close on time. Mark, what would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into their business today? Make sure everyone on the hiring team is on the same page. So as you create this description and you think not just about skills and experience, what are these other attributes, leadership, communication, team building? You want to define those and make sure everyone on the hiring team is clear on that and where that falls into the priority and evaluation matrix. Once you have that rubric, you want to define interview questions that illuminate each of those categories. Did anyone check on this person's communication? Did anyone dive into her experience with this? Make sure you hit those with your battery of questions. Perfect. Mark, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our audience could find you by your book? I know you're on a big book tour right now, correct? A virtual one, but yes. You can find the book at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and local bookstores. There is backordered in some. We sold out in two weeks and weather's delaying some of the second printing, but it's coming. You can also go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. You can find more information about the book, great resources for developing your own team or going further into some of these topics we talked about. And there's a free app. It's linked to the Apple and Android stores from the website that talks about what we covered here, as well as a number of other tips. Got it. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to this week's episode 
episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We're also on YouTube. So hey, click on here and check us out. You can reach me at rick at stridesearch.com or you can subscribe to the podcast at higherpowerradio.com. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Jody Brandstetter. She is the chief talent strategist of Lean Executive Talent Strategist LLC. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success. Rick Gerard.